Hey everyone and welcome back to Link the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera available everywhere a good podcast are sold. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan. I'm joined by the usual cast of characters. First, he is the platforming prodigy. It's Mark Robinson. Mark, how are you? Uh, I've just spent the last 90 minutes playing Rocket League with friend of the show, Peter Willington. So I am warmed up and prepped and ready to fucking go. An esteemed friend of the show, indeed. Uh, we're also joined by Chelsea's favourite son, the Sidona Simp himself, the Roman Reigns of audio, the head of the table. He's just amassing nicknames like you wouldn't believe. It's Jack Lazell. Five-time main event of WrestleMania. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the the head of the London chapter of the Eckerhard Fassa fan club. Uh, yeah. You know, We actually, you don't see this, guys. You don't, you don't have the privilege of seeing our Zoom call. Before Jack comes on, we actually do have an augmented reality giant version of Jack doing the hooah uh, during his entrance onto the call. So just to set the mood. Yeah, it cost... 3.6 million pounds to set that up but it was so <laughs> worth it uh, absolutely worth yeah. it uh, I, I uh, just don't feel like i can ever enter a room again without a giant <laughs> you know like cgi version of myself it just doesn't feel right. rightly so yeah like the titan of bravos um, exactly how are you my friend how was your week yeah you know it was pretty good it was uh uh, I, 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 you're starting to get to taste that sweet sweet freedom over there in the uk yeah everything How's opened up this week um which you know i mean they're still screwed by brexit so freedom is a bit of <laughs> opened up except to europe what <laughs> <laughs> captain positivity over there you know just reminding me again uh yeah you're welcome i mean i i was gonna say like i because obviously i work in the retail industry so it's been pretty manic this week because i've actually been you know taking some money for the first time in a long time so everyone's kind of running around going oh what we do we're selling stuff um and <laughs> what did we used to do yeah we used to actually sell a lot more than we're selling now because you know people still aren't 100 percent back than uh into their old shopping habits and stuff so yeah work's yeah. been a bit crazy but you know there's been some uh you know, some evenings, some downtime, some chilling out and stuff. And uh, yeah, Chelsea are through the semifinals of the Champions League. So <laughs> had to get that. I mean, I, honestly, it's been seven years, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. which is a multiple of it's been 84 years. Obviously, it's, uh, you know, 12 times that, but still. Um, so yeah, I, can't, I mean, I've got a smile on my face. What can I say? I came on the school dancing. <laughs> uh, I suppose let's just we, we've got a good bit here on the ledger for this week in terms of what we've been doing so let's just get straight into can we, it we, can and, we henceforth um, refer to it as the Heath the Heath yeah what's on the Heath what's on the what's Heath, on the this, Heath week? this week this week on um, the Heath so the first thing I, I was re-watching this week and it was based off of um, we were having a call and this will kind of lead into some loose uh, Mania Week chat, I guess, um, is we were chatting on one of our calls over the weekend about um, MMA. I can't remember how we got round to it. And I remember the incredible uh, John Boys of SB Nation who does those. Um, you've seen, I, I assume, Jack, seeing as your man for documentaries and stats, all those wacky SB Nation docs on YouTube. Have SB you? Nation is probably the best 
sports, like American sports, I would say, YouTube channel. Yeah. I would say the bet, my favorite of all is probably Tifo, um, just because, you yeah. know, it's, it's perfect bite sized stuff. But yeah, SP Nation, they do like these little 10, 15 minute things about like beefs and let's rewind everything that led up to this moment in history and stuff. And even the ones they do about like, you know, our sports, like football and stuff, they, they get it pretty right. There's a really good one on Beckham scoring the uh, last minute free kick at Old Trafford to put us into the World Cup in 2002. Um, which, you know, when everybody talks about, oh, England beat Germany 5-1, it's like, yeah, we got there by the skin of our teeth because David Beckham was good at free kicks, so we weren't actually that good there. Because <laughs> it was David Beckham v. Greece. <laughs> exactly, but yes, to, to, to make a, a long story shorter, I do like those, and John Boys is a very yeah. talented human being. So John Boys uh, combined with uh, Felix Biederman from Chapo Trap House, and they made a five-part documentary series on the history of mixed martial arts called Fighting in the Age of Loneliness that came out like, oh, I think 2019. I feel like I'd seen it right before lockdown. Are you sure that's a documentary uh, and not a Kill Switch Engage album? Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um but yeah, so I, I rewatched that because we were talking about it. And like, if you like, even if you're not an MMA guy, and I wouldn't describe myself as one anymore by any stretch. Like I was kind of the the start of the Zuffa era in like 2006, like the start of the boom of the Zuffa era in 2006 through to like around the time that Ronda and Connor got really big is when I started to, when it started to lose its individuality because that's the thing about like the first and second waves of mma is like there was the wackiest craziest bunch of characters up and down the card and then it kind of you know for for better in some ways but for worse in terms of my entertainment became very kind of sterilized by comparison and homogenized um so it, it kind of lost me, but this was great. Like this was looking back to like the very beginning of where the idea of mixed martial arts ca- comes from straight through to the foundation of UFC. There's a whole episode about pride as well. And, um, there, shall we say, uh, Japanese mixed martial arts, more than casual relationship to the Yakuza, um, mm-hmm. is mentioned at several points, but it's it, like, it's, it's a really fascinating documentary because not only does it chart the history of mixed martial arts but it it kind of draws parallels between the development of the the shall we say the masculine ego and the course of history in particular in the u.s over that period of time so the the way it's a documentary yes about mixed martial arts but the way it's also a documentary about um society and history is is really really fascinating and also you get to relive some of the like incredible moments in mma you know uh, it, the very start of it is talking about the uh, Anderson Silva finally being beaten by Chris Weidman after his incredible run. That episode also goes deep into the Chael Sonnen fight, which is one of the like the most memorable builds and fights I had ever seen. Oh. The um, how great was Ch- for 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 a year or so when and before you figured out that he was a a bit full of shit and b actually not as good as advertised. How great was yeah. Chael Sonnen? That whole build to the Anderson Silva fight, like yeah. he cut promos that were like better than anything that wwe had at that time he was incredible yeah. well he he cut promos that did what the point of a promo yes, was meant to do fight. which was get yeah. you in the building exactly yeah. yeah um so yeah there's a lot of talk does, does it do like i was gonna say does it do uh like what kind of documentary is it is it doing sit down interviews no. with different people it's, no? it's all it's, just... it's all narrative um photos and as is the the standard with john boy's documentaries jack will know this incredible graphics 
as well. It's it's a very pleasant like I wouldn't say it's Adam Curtis adjacent because it doesn't have the same use of stock footage that Adam Curtis does, but it's the same kind of I'm going to tell you a story while showing you a story, you know what I mean? Whereas it's, I'm not going to have people sitting on a chair, like you said, the, the talking heads or the Vox Pops or anything like that. Um, it's really, really good. It's really enthralling. I love as well that it, um, it recaps in great detail the incredible uh, Pride Grand Prix run of Shogun Hua that made him a star. Oh. I love Shogun Who. I'm sorry, like he's one of my guys that when I, I was actually watching it. Yeah, it's it's five parts. I think each part is about half an hour, I wanna say. Oh thanks, Dave. Well I'm not gonna get to cool. sleep until two AM. Yeah. Can't can't recommend it highly enough. Um I mean I'm gonna watch other- it right after this. So you guys, <laughs> yeah, we, we know what's right gonna here. happen, so Um so the other two things I wanna talk about, they're only brief what I've been watching. I've been watching a few movies, but I'll talk about those in future weeks when I don't have as much on the plate on the heat sorry jack but uh i've picked back up twin peaks again for the rewatch of the first two series and the movie before i get into twin peaks the return from a few years ago and yeah holy shit like it's what i've done is i think the last time i spoke about it on the show i was talking about how season one is better than you remember and season two is just as bad if not worse than you remember uh, because David Lynch has obviously left, so you have a lot of people that are trying to ape the David Lynch style. Um, but it's it, like it's there's no one can. Why do they do that so much in America, where like the the clear obvious creative direction of the show leaves, and then the people that run the networks in this case are so arrogant that they feel like they can, you know, oh we can we can continue doing West Wing without Sorkin, or you know we don't need JJ for Lost, or fuck me, Dan Harmon's a an alcoholic piece of shit we don't need him for season four cut to one year later please come back Dan Harmon yeah like and that's what happens like what ends up happening is David Lynch comes back for the finale but by the time that finale is ready to go the show's already been cancelled but anyway um one of the things where it really loses the thread of what Twin Peaks is supposed to be apart from the trying to ape David Lynch is that it fundamentally misunderstands what the show is about and season two becomes much more about the mystery around Laura Palmer. Uh, like, as in, we need to get to the bottom of this as if there's a definitive answer. But the show in season one, yes, on the surface of it, who killed Laura Palmer is the main thrust of it, but that's not really why you're there. It's just more the the narrative vehicle for uh, spending some time with all these weirdos. Um, and yeah, season two is very much like... Um, it's so funny, like I said, trying to ape that David Lynch style because the man operates on what you'd call dream logic and that's not something you you can't effectively replicate someone else's version of that. And even down to the way, like I'm noticing little things like how the camera is held, how shots are framed and how the camera moves in relation to characters during a scene has gone off the wall in season two. Um... And it's like, I've made that concession now when I've gone back to this. I watched four more episodes in the last day or so uh, to get back on board because season two is also like substantially longer. Um, And I'm kind of at the point where I've made the concession. This is just going to be fucking like just, it's not going to be nearly as good. So I'm just going to sit back, lower my expectations and get through it. 
because I know I'm going to, I enjoy Fire Walk With Me. I'm in the minority there, but I enjoy Fire Walk With Me. And everybody who loves the show raves about Twin Peaks to return. So that's my like carrot on a stick um, to get through, particularly the middle part of the second season, which is what I'm dreading, uh, where it goes really, really bad to the point where, as I said, they get David Lynch back <laughs> for the end of the show to pull it all back together. Was there a gas leak? Uh, look, all I'm just saying is that the owls are not what they seem in that show. Um, like the the other thing is a good show, by the way. Like That was some good shit back in the day. The, o- the other thing that I started watching, and it's the first time I've rewatched this since it finished, is Game of Thrones. And the reason I've, I've started oh. doing this is because uh, word has kind of been trickling out that I'm not going to necessarily say the word Snyder Cut, but that there's that there's talk that HBO might either recut or entirely reshoot the last. Oh, I mean, they, if they did that and they actually made like it 10 episodes long and it, it, it's weird because every single actor, like in all of those interviews, there's like loads of compilations on YouTube, people asking them how they, like how they felt the last season was or what they enjoyed. And all of their sentences start with, yeah, yeah <laughs> like that yeah. well it, this, is, this is the thing that differentiated from the snyder cut for me because like i'm not precious about look if you want to go and tinker with your own art again and things like that and sometimes it has gone better like i think the the classic example of people going back in and tinkering with stuff and making it better is blade runner if you've ever seen the th- theatrical version of blade runner it's a terrible movie yeah yeah it only took about 95 attempts to yeah get, like, i think it, the true vision. i think it was three passes of that before they got to the final cut uh, maybe a fourth um but that's substantially better it has happened in the past you know um i always advocate for the extended versions of the lord of the rings because i think there's some stuff that really shouldn't have been cut co- i know there were very long movies but there's stuff that is actually really good flavor text and really good characterization that is completely left out of some of those movies um and i advocate for taking the disc and snapping it in half yeah. and, and, and it i is. advocate for you know making sure that you put <laughs> i was gonna be i advocate for you fucking off <laughs> I advocate for making sure you obviously put the other version of Jabba the Hutt in Star Wars and New Hope because that really matters. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. Like, there's the other, the flip side of things George is Lucas. The George Lucas's who just can't leave yeah, well enough yeah. alone. Um, yeah. Or the Snyder Cut thing where something like this is brought around through a lot of bullying. Like, I know we, we say that at the end of the day, the main reason they budged on it is because Zack Snyder himself really wanted to do it. And he's a guy who, like, as has been remarked, he's one of the few guys who can really, really get shit done in Hollywood. Um, Plus his, his so, daughter died. Like, you, yeah, exactly. You know, he's, the circumstances Halfway as well. through a film and that happens. And then they yeah. completely, you know, wreck the other guy, wrecks it, basically, whatever he was trying to do, yeah. whether you think it's good or not. Like, it, it, you almost have a moral obligation towards the man yeah. to let him have another crack. So, the two reasons I'm kind of, like, on board with the idea, if it is something that does happen, is kind of, well, one, no matter what they do, they can't make it worse. Uh, ah, I wish you hadn't said that Dave oh my oh, god no. well look no because like I just you know what I mean I, I'm not going to be invested this time so like mm. if it's worse it will just be funny Dave that's some like, shit you I don't be think... saying mate <laughs> yeah <laughs> tempting the wrath from high atop the thing yeah. Um, and the other thing as well yeah it isn't like some massive campaign of abuse like has been happening for the Snyder Cut it just seems like there's a lot of people who worked on the show both uh, in front of and behind the camera who were really deeply unsatisfied with how it came out because they were so rushed. 
Um, so that's kind of one of the upsides of a platform. Like I assume it would be an HBO Max thing. Um, is that you get the chance to do that kind of mm. thing? Um, so you know, if that's something that does happen, I wouldn't object to them taking a crack at it because, again, my level of investment since that show, you know, I can't remember who it was that made that point initially, where it's like, wow, imagine the, like the amount of cultural mind share that that show had, and season eight just burned it all the fuck yeah. away. Like people do not talk about that show nope. at all anymore. One of my favorite shows of all time, and now I just don't yeah. ever feel like. Because do you know what? It just makes how good it was at the start depressing. It's why I don't know if yeah. I can rewatch it. Yeah, so that's uh, I. I really want to because I haven't rewatched like I used to rewatch the first four, four and a half seasons or so, and then like that's when the 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 Weiss and Benioff stuff really cranked up to another level. Then, yep. um, so I wonder, like, I I I wonder how I'll feel about it just watching it straight through. So rather than having to wait a year for the gradual decline, I'm going straight into it. Will it be much more like bracing? Um. But yeah, I just loved how that show was. And I'm on to season two now so already. Uh, and season two is my favorite. Season two, uh, three, four are all just so good. Like, I feel like the... Okay, but wh- why? Cause so, why? Like, I'm not I'm not going to be watching him any, anytime soon. And Were you, you know, a Game of Thrones guy? Always... No. Yeah. No, I just... I, that Middle-earth medieval... Oh. Not medieval, but Middle-earth fantasy... Mate. It's just, it's not my thing. It never has and been. That, and, um, and, and I don't know, but I'll just stop you there. And I don't know if you agree with this, Dave. It really isn't that, especially in the first few series. Yeah. It's like backstabbing and politics yeah. and people fucking people over. And yeah, again, again, like it's, it's, it's sword and sword. real life for that. It's, it's, I don't it's, watch a show. it's swords and sorcery in the way that, uh, like I said, Twin Peaks is actually a mur- like a, a, a procedural investigation show yeah. you know what i mean like it's very surface level yeah. it's it, it's as close to it for the first couple of series i feel like it's as close to in the loop the film as it is to lord of the rings because it is all politics and people swearing at people and yeah just lots of random debauchery and all sorts of crazy shit like the, the first series i don't like as much from like the way that they they shot it mainly just because like all of their costume and wigs and stuff you can tell they don't have as much money to spend they look wacky and because it's they're like on hbo there's just so much sex in it that's just so like superfluous to demands and maybe if i was 16 i might not be saying that i might be like well yeah i really like that first series of game of thrones but like i'm 33 now so i'm like i'm like yeah move past this sort of thing um (laughs) that's for later that's for for the (laughs) evening private times yeah but like you it's just such a great political drama it really is it's yeah. it's it, like Tyrion Lannister for those first few series as well like I mean at that point there was no better actor on this planet than Peter Dinklage and I mean no. I want to fucking hear the the counter arguments yeah. and, and and there's a lot of people who are kind of like uh, great actors who had maybe not got their due in other things yeah. like Charles Dance is a guy oh. who like is incredible when he shows up in anything, but Ali I don't G. think had been nearly yeah nearly lauded as much as he should have been um, until he was Tywin. Yeah, and you get also like people who you never thought you'd see again in anything showing up um, because they had kind of aged out of other roles, like Diana Rigg. Oh, R.I.P. Oh, 
Yeah, to a real one. She was f- her like a hard fossa. Oh, she was fucking awesome. That scene where um, her and Tywin Lannister. I believe they called her on set. They called her act a hard fossa. Jack, <laughs> yeah, if I'm not I mean, mistaken. She, she really, she really can't act a hard fossa. The hell out of that role. But there's like a scene between her and Tywin where they're like basically deciding the sort of marriages that are going to shape the whole of like who's going to control Westeros. And it's just the two of them. And like no one is... Tywin Lannister sometimes is kind of boring. In, in he's very dogmatic and his approach to everything is like so s- staid. But he's also Absolutely. incredibly intelligent and incredibly intimidating. And she is not absolutely like in any way intimidated by him and is if anything kind of winding them up and having fun with him and it's amazing to see them too just like they look like they're having a blast and like really vibing off each other and that's when the show is great so like you said about remaking season eight there's two episodes i don't want them to remake i think even though like people talk about the long night or whatever it's too dark all right well maybe you can just crank the contrast up and because the episode itself is pretty brilliant like really really good and the one before that the long night where oh no sorry a night of the seven realms sorry where um where where brienne where they're all just waiting around to die exactly they're all waiting around to die and, and brienne gets knighted um is probably the best episode in the whole season um, and because it, it reminds you how much you love these characters and how much the dialogue and, you know, interaction between them all makes the show. And that's all kind of been removed for like this fast traveling nonsense of like going from here to there to there really, really quickly. And then everything happening at 100 miles an hour because they were just like, we're going to close this out and start our Star Wars yeah. series. We don't care about anything else. Yeah, nah, mate. Just just remake the whole thing. Uh, change the lore. Make Oberyn Martell the main character. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Pedro Pascal. Like, could he be more ruling the world in the last few years? I really don't oh, think he could. Ah, oh, unbowed, unbent, unbroken as always. That the man. guy fucking uh, rules. <laughs> I'll probably be touching back on Game of Thrones, uh, particularly when it starts to fall off a cliff. Um, <laughs> that should be fun. Uh, but on that note, because uh, we have plenty more to get to, we'll, we'll go to Jack, who watched the movie that should have been called Conspiracy, but wasn't. Yeah, but you know why it's Seaspiracy, right? No, I haven't seen it. No, yet. but like, l- look at the word and see that Seaspiracy is a conspiracy, right? Yeah, but look at, yeah. take C's piracy. Yeah, C's piracy. Ah. Yeah. See, like at first I agreed with you, conspiracy is better. But then when I saw the double meaning, I was like, "Ah, oh, there you go. Two, two double. Nah, nah. Two's better than one. Needs to be the better pun. You, you go with the better pun. Sorry. Mm. Yeah, I guess so. But you know, like the Spice Girls said, You're a- is it any anyway, good? Yes, <laughs> it is very good. Um, it's one of those documentaries that you just come out of it completely and utterly depressed. Um, oh, good. So it's like, uh, what was that? Um social media yeah, the, from last yeah the, the, what was that called the social the, effect or I don't, social, the hack or yeah, whatever what, the fuck it was yeah, I, yeah it is yeah. like that but with the fishing industry so you start thinking this is going to be about plastics in the ocean and then you think oh this is going to be about like you know them taking like fins off of the social dilemma by social the dilemma that's it fins off of sharks and stuff and you're like oh that's that's also really depressing but then it just turns into like this entire entire understanding of why the ocean is the way it is and it's overfishing that is causing the vast 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 majority of the problems but then all that you ever hear about you know we need to save the ocean is you need to stop using plastic shorts because that was like one time it got caught in a towel's nose and everyone was really there was upset about so it. there was a lot of i know historically there's been a lot of quarrels over 
fishing here in Ireland because the Irish fishery is is a huge industry. Um, so there was a lot of um, both. There was a lot of talk that we needed help to try and conserve from other nations coming into our waters uh, over fishing. And there was also then at the same time you had Irish fishermen uh, going mad when as part of the EU, they started to impose quotas. Uh, so, like, there was people who wanted it both ways. Yeah, um, but you find out, like, a lot of the plastic that is in the sea is old fishing nets. You find out that the the company that hand out... You know on the... You have, like, the dolphin safe thing that's on cans of tuna. Um, they're, like, a subsidiary of this company who, called, who hand out, like, these things to companies like these badges or whatever that they can put on their products so that people will eat it like sustainable oceans and stuff and and you find out that 80 percent of that company's revenue or like this charitable organization supposedly that they are 80 percent of their revenue comes from companies paying them to hand this out so (laughs) they just are like oh wait do do you uh do you do you fish sustainable yeah 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 we do okay well here's your mark please give us like a few hundred thousand dollars and that's that's like um in the cosmetics industry, there's loads of stuff mm. that is marked as not tested on animals, but then they willingly sell to, I believe it's China and some other countries that te- that they that they know as they're selling it to them that they tested on animals coming into the country. Um, so it's you're technically able to say that it isn't tested on animals because you didn't do it yourself, but you're also enabling people who do. Yeah, the same way that like some of these like fisheries that mass produce fish which again is also incredibly not sustainable um the feed that they feed this fish has come from like these completely unethical really ugly situations like in thailand there's a bunch of like people that essentially are enslaved working on these fishing boats and if they like happen to you know complain or be you know like overworked tired or whatever they just chuck people over the side of the boat and they have been known to do that to inspectors as well, who are like, you know, pretty stringent about, well, you know, you probably shouldn't just be killing all these other fish. You know, you shouldn't be killing like eight fish for the one fish that you want to kill. And uh, yeah, they, they, they've been known to go missing at sea um, in very inconvenient <laughs> styles. And there's a lot of really, yeah, really depressing stuff in there about the fishing industry and what's happening to the ocean and how important it is that we have like marine life in the ocean because it contributes a lot, lot, lot more to our atmosphere than even rainforests and stuff like that, like the the ocean, because it's seventy percent of the planet. Yeah, it's quite big. Exactly. And all- do they mention the threat to ocean life of Brock Lesnar f fiving sharks like he did in that SmackDown game? Yes, it is one. Of, it is, oh, it, good. SummerSlam. It, it, SummerSlam. It it yeah. Oh, SummerSlam. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Um, it's the entire third act of the documentary. Could, they isn't couldn't it? get. Yeah brock but they did get Heyman, um and he he broke oh. the tape down and he explained how the bump was taken safely by the shark and that there was no damage <laughs> the shark works snug. yeah but look the shark works snug at the end of the day he's there to tell a story and you know the shark yeah what can i say he's got great psychology he knows how to take a hit so yeah well it's, wait, it's wait, good wait, news wait. that this enhancement talent <laughs> oh there you oh. go it's it's good news that we have this documentary as Japan are um, expecting or announcing they're going to release all of the radioactive water waste from the Fukushima disaster into the sea. So that's good. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. As, uh, as Frank Garman once said, what the fuck, Japan? Yeah, exactly. There's a very 
weird bit of the documentary as well. Where there's this this town in Japan where the majority of the shark fins that are collected and sent off to China because it's like shark fin soup is like a soup, a yeah. big status symbol in China yet has apparently like no nutritional value. It's just like we're rich, we can afford. You. Imagine it tastes rank. Yeah, as well. like yeah. There's there's that. Um... Uh, is it puffer fish? I think they have in Japan that has like no taste whatsoever and like half of it will kill you, but it's yeah, yeah, nearly killed Homer like Simpson. Yes. Kind of, but it's like a delicacy. It's it's <laughs> been in it's been in two <laughs> of yeah. my favorite things. Not only did it nearly kill Homer Simpson, but also it is a possible death that you can use in oh in, in Hitman. Hitman One <laughs> in is it in, in Hokkaido. Oh, hi, yeah, Kaido, you yeah. can cut it up and serve it to uh, to the to the lady walking around, and uh, yeah, she she doesn't survive it. You can even po- you can <laughs> yeah, you can basically poison her to death with this illegitimately cut fugu. But I digress. It is a very good documentary to watch. But if you like eating fish and you you want to keep that that sort of thing alive, maybe don't watch this documentary. It's a bit like that cowspiracy one a few years ago as well. Yeah, uh, hmm. I remember. Um when I went to uh, Canada a few years ago, we did um, like a boating trip out into the sea to watch whales. Um, and they were really banging on about like not eating salmon. Like you The whales not... were? No, no. <laughs> the, the guides were. They, but they were really kind of banging on about like you, you need to like not eat the salmon because, you know, the, the whales need it. And, um, you know, you need to really think about what you eat and um, understanding what is sustainable. And obviously from this documentary, it's kind of hard to know what exactly <laughs> actually is sustainably sourced food. Yeah. Um, Instead they're like, what sir, salmon is delicious. <laughs> yeah, Mark's got like <laughs> half an <laughs> M&S salmon sandwich hanging yeah. out his mouth. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try that, that son of a bitch with some lemon or some garlic butter. Oh, mercy. Yeah, just a little bit of pepper I don't really like fish, so I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're right. So, so yeah, stop, stop eating. I guess the documentary is like stop eating fish, but like I know in about three, four weeks, I have like some calamari in front yeah. of me, and I'm like, oh. Jack, Jack, the, I was the, gonna say straight up, like when I get back over to L- London, we're going over to that place again. Oh God, the hook. The the, the thing is right because like we got Earth Week coming up in a couple of weeks, and there's the whole thing about how we as a society can do our bit to play our part to reduce our carbon footprint. But it's like what is it like 70, 80 percent of all of the carbon or all of the kind of pollution in the world? is by whatever kind of top 10 top 20 companies or whatever the case yeah. may be that's kind so, of the, that's kind of the point yeah, they're doing there fucked. with the plastics they're like ah oh, stop using plastic straws and they're like well more than half of what's in the like plastic in the ocean is old fishing nets that they just dispose of mm. so it's like ah okay yeah. the burns omni-net um, <laughs> yeah exactly you know how else would you get little lisa sorry you just wouldn't happen would it <laughs> Next up, Jack, what is Longshot? Longshot is one of those brilliant discoveries that you just see on Netflix. You know, you're sitting down to dinner or something. You don't want to necessarily put on anything that's, that's too taxing. So it's a 40-minute documentary. Don't want to watch the, the big short for the 20th yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, I've seen that film. Sorry, I fucking love that film. Um, I'm Jack to the tits! Anyway, um, like that just little nugget you see just glinting at you on Netflix when you're scrolling sideways. You're like, what is this? Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, I'll watch this. So basically, I'm not even going to reveal much of it because I think everyone should go watch it. It's 40 minutes long. It's a documentary. It's about a guy who gets arrested for murder and is facing the death penalty. And in no specific order, the things that get him off are baseball, Larry David, a prostitute, (laughs) 
and a random cell phone tower that just happens to be near where he is at one point. Because this guy is, like, going down. Like, properly going down. Like, the first five, ten minutes of this documentary, they're like, oh, he's fucked. Like, he's in prison. They've got this prosecutor who was like, they called her the sniper because she was famous for getting death sentences for all of the people that she went up against in court. And it just could not look more bleak. But then all of the stuff starts happening. And then halfway through the documentary, Larry David turns up and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? And then the just serendipity of events that happened to coincide and just happened. It was so random. So many things have to just come together at the perfect right time for them to be able to identify that it wasn't this guy that did the murder. And I don't want to spoil it. I just don't even want to talk about it too much. I just think everyone should watch it. It's from like three, four years ago. I'd never heard about it. I'd never seen it. I'd never do anything about the case. Don't read about the case. Just do yourself a favor. 40 minutes on Netflix. Long shot. Just watch it. It's it's a crazy story. It's so good. Mark, you haven't been really watching anything new, but you have been playing a couple of bits. So let's go to you first for games. I have. Um, so I... I don't want to mention Genesis Noir just yet. Um, I uh, have either of you two downloaded it because I, I have it downloaded, but I have a couple of other things to get to first. Okay, right. I am not a fan I, of I'll Phil Collins, that so until... I will not be downloading that. <laughs> I'll leave that until I know at least one of you two has played it because it's a very surrealistic, esoteric experience that's quite unlike anything else I've played. So. Uh, I'll leave that until one of you two have at least seen like the first ten, fifteen minutes of, of what. Is Kyle McLaughlin in it? But <laughs> he's not. No, no. Or well, he could be. Maybe he could be the main character actually, because you never really kind of fully see his face. So fuck oh. it, it could be. Um, so the first thing I've been playing is the new Oddworld Soulstorm game that is on PS5 for the PS Plus and PS5. Not PS Plus or PS4, you have to buy that, and is also on the Epic Game Store, which seems like an interesting like decision by Epic, because uh, I don't really see like the Oddworld series as this kind of app system seller. Mm. Um, you know, I don't see people downloading the Epic Game Store just because they need to get their fix. You see, what I, I'd imagine maybe it is is that like there's that kind of contingent of guys who are now in their like mid to late forties who remember. Uh, Abe's Odyssey and shit like that, and now all they have is PCs, so maybe you yeah. could tempt a few dads back into gaming with maybe, that. Maybe, maybe. Um, and so, either of you two ever play, like, either the the original Oddworld games? Not in many, many years. Oh, you didn't have a PlayStation, right? I... It was on... Go on. Yeah, no, you go. No, I was going to say, I did play um, some of the first one and play the demo, um, of, I think it was like maybe there was like were there two games on the original PlayStation? Yeah, there was uh, Abe's, Abe's Odyssey and Abe's Exodus. Yeah, um, so I I did play it. I it's kind of you know aside from the aesthetic, which is brilliant, and it's like kind of weird, off the wall, oddball strangeness. It just is a bit of a standard platformer, really, isn't it? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily like a straight up platformer. I've always kind of considered those games more like a sort of puzzle, stealthy type of experience. Um, but there is elements of platforming in there. Um, but I will say like, yeah, not necessarily being um, great games, but definitely kind of iconic. Like if you think of the original PlayStation, I think that 
the those Oddworld games. You, you it's it's weird because they didn't really have much exclusive IP that was kind of blowing the roof off early. So I almost feel like the fact that it has the name that it has is because it was kind of around at that time. A bit like, you know, like people always remember the early sort of viral videos on on YouTube or whatever, because there was nothing well, else Well, I mean, I, I also think, because I think also the PlayStation was so massive that, you know, anything that was like exclusive, and it, it does definitely has like an identity, you know, it's a very, you, there are very few games that you, that are like that. Um, anyway, kind of off on a tangent there, but the, this is... It's okay. Um, I it starts off really well. I, I think it it gets the introduction uh, off to a strong start. Um, I really like the the kind of characterization of the Mudikins, Mudikans, like Mukund. I can't remember the fuck they're called. Um, the Mukigans. And I really like Abe as yep. yeah, Mukigans. I really like the characterization of Abe. Um, he is this kind of real sort of like reluctant hero. Um, but he, he has a lot of charm, and the, they all actually have a lot of charm. There's a lot of charm in the game, uh, and I think the voice acting is, is really well done. Um, I think the game looks really good. So I'm playing the PS5 version, um, but it runs really smooth. Like I haven't run into uh, any kind of issues of, of slowdown. And I mean, it's not the kind of game where uh, a, a dropping frame rate is going to kind of kill the experience, but it's um, it's 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 been pretty seamless. The problem is is the game itself, so it kind of runs on a sort of 2.5D platforming, like it's not just fully running along the one axis, um, well it, it is, but you know, sometimes there'll be kind of foreground and background stuff and the, the way the platform kind of runs around. Um, if you ever played Pandemic, uh, not Pandemic, uh, Pandemonium back on the original PlayStation. I've been playing Pandemic for a year and a half, mate. Yeah, I know, I know, all right. it, it kind of acts a little bit like that. Um, and that's really cool. And I think like the, the overall sort of level design and the, the presentation and production is really well done. The problem is, is the game is like a bit part puzzle game, bit part stealth game, and a bit part platforming game. And I don't think it does any of them particularly well. Um, not bad, but not particularly well. The, the platforming is a bit clunky. Um, like Abe seems to have an extra step every time that you let go of the of the the analog stick. He runs forward just that little bit more than you want him to. Um, do you think that's like a. Do you think that's like a. Because um, oh, I, I I've watched a bit of it. Um, just I was trying to de- decide whether I wanted to download it or not. Um, and I, in the end, I didn't download it. But do you think that's kind of a bit of an art direction to just make him kind of a little bit sort of off kilter and a bit like you know. Uh, I don't think so because, like, what the game asks you to do at certain points with the platforming and some of the the kind of stealthy sections where you're trying to tiptoe around different enemies, like, uh, I think the game really does require to have some precision uh, Mm. platforming that it just doesn't have. So I don't think it is in our direction. I think it's, uh, I mean, it's obviously the direction they went with, but whatever it is, I don't think it works particularly well. Um, he just, he moves a bit clunky and the game isn't an out and outright platformer. So it doesn't need to have pixel perfect precision, like a Celeste or whatever. But if you're going to have, um, platforms that I have to jump across and, and swinging bars and all this kind of stuff, it's like when you come up to the edge of a platform and you've got a platform below, you have to come up to the edge, you have to stop. You then have to press down 
to then like drop down to the next mm-hmm. level. It's it's not a kind of seamless transition. And I can forgive that 25 years ago or so, but we're kind of past the point where that should just be like one fluid motion now. And, and nothing about the experience feels fluid in that I regards. think the... Um, so when I watched it, um, one of the things I liked... And one of the things that did feel fluid, I guess, not so much to do with the controlling of the characters, but I kind of like the transition between depth of field of the platforms. So, you know, when you go into sort of almost like another, you're in a 2D platformer, but you kind of go into like different angles of the same background. So it almost feels like a dimension twist. Uh, I think that's really, that looked really good to me. Yeah, um, it has little moments like that. You're like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's, I I mean, I'm digging that. But the, um, like the, the puzzles that are there are kind of baked into the stealth parts of the game. And it could just be me because I've never really liked stealth in video games. But I found none of those moments to be particularly enjoyable. Like there's a whole bunch of things where you're in like a dark cave and you have to light up a flare. Um, and there are different enemies that will um, be asleep. And if you wake them up, they'll come after you. So you have to tiptoe around. And none of it is a particularly kind of engaging, enjoyable experience. And that is, I think, the the kind of more subjective side than the what I feel is the objective side of the platforming not mm. being great. Um, and the one other issue as well is the game is really fucking difficult. <laughs> like, it goes from 0 to 90 in, in no time at all. Uh, the checkpoints are pretty brutal. Um, I, I've been stuck on areas for a good, like, half an hour. Uh, and that, you know, just, it kills the momentum pretty quickly and i got to a point last night where it's asking me to because abe doesn't have like any kind of offensive offensive abilities like the only thing he can do is he has like a kind of mind control ability where he he stops where he is and this kind of ball of light comes out of him and you can um like take over like mind control uh, any of the enemies around you and then you can do whatever you want to do like if you want to just jump them off the high cliff or if you want them to attack other enemies like you know that's that's how you kind of work around those um obstacles but it takes a, a second or so to get that going and like where i am at the moment i've got these uh i've got this like uh, moving float moving platform that i'm going across to get from like one side to another like a cable car and there are these enemies that are flying up and down um and they have like you know kind of a light that if it hits you then obviously you know thinking like metal gear solid where uh, there's a particular particular area of radius that if an enemy spots you then the you know, cone of crazy. vision the cone of vision that's it and it's kind of the same thing but you just you don't have the time to react to it you can't like attack them and i just uh, it's just it's fucking ridiculous and i'm about 3 4 hours into it and i'm kind of at this point where i'm just like this has gone from being challenging to now this is just not fun and I'm not enjoying it and I just want to turn it off and go play Wreckfest Yeah, is there not enough charming elements about the game? Like, you know, I know there's, they've added cutscenes in and there's like a story and stuff. Like, Yeah, and the, the cutscenes and all that oh, is really okay. cool and I'm really engaged with that and I'm loving the characters and, and like the voice acting. But the level design is really fucking pissing yeah. me off. Um and I'm, you know, I'll probably just watch a video and see and realize I'm doing something stupid. Uh, but it is, it's, it's that next step from being a fun, challenging game to just being a bit dickish. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of yeah. Boring. I mean, a game should never. The, the 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 one thing that I think is a game should never feel unfair. Like, and and if there is yeah. like a difficulty yeah, yeah. 
setting or whatever then you should be able to everyone should be able to find their thing but yeah you should always be able to have an element of control over what you're doing and it's when you feel like you don't it's when you feel like you're kind of relying on the game to give you a break to get through it that's when it kind of just becomes miserable and it doesn't make you want to play anymore yeah so that is I, i might try and stick with it but i'll need to figure out how to get past this part um the other thing i've been playing a little little known game you may have heard of it called gears of war oh the original um, right cool yeah yeah i got so i got so sick of outriders not working um like i've now deleted it because i tried again a week after it came out and i still was sitting there for 15 minutes at the lobby waiting for the game to load it's it is unfucking believable that a that the single player part of this game still requires you to be online and b the fact that i couldn't actually get online to play it (laughs) so there's the start of my gears of war review um but because of the components of that game, which are, you know, over-the-shoulder third person, hiding behind mid-high walls and dealing with, like, different areas, it, it reminded me enough of Gears of War that I was like, you know what, I haven't played the original Gears of War in about 10 years. I think I want to go back and play it. And um, it's on Game Pass, surprisingly. Like, the Ultimate Edition of the original is on um, is on the, the PC Game Pass. So I've been playing it on launches here, here and there. And I still maintain that like the original trilogy, and I'll probably get back to playing two and three at some point um, before you know that series fell off a cliff. I still think those games are really, really good, and I do recognize that the some of the tropes that that game introduced, um, and some of the things that games were doing at that time, like you know you would heal not by picking up health packs, but just by you know just don't be shot for a while and then you'll be back to full health like that kind of stuff i get why it kind of breaks up the flow of the game because you just you just have to stop just hide behind a wall for a few seconds and it it does kind of ruin the flow but i think that while those games are not exactly you know narrative um a narrative masterclass or a storytelling masterclass there's a particular scene where it's in the second chapter uh, you're walking through like the they're called I think they're called the stranded and they're just you know people that aren't part of the the cog they aren't part of the the military um, they're just you know survivors trying to live out what the, in, in what comfort they can in this post-apocalyptic world and it really reminded me of um, in the Last of Us the original once you like you know the opening scene happens and you're now in the post-apocalyptic world. And you go through the area, I, I, I feel like I remember it to some degree, where you go through that kind of first area with whatever the stranded people are, the, the survivors, um, and you have this kind of environmental storytelling where they show you the conditions the, these people are living in, the, the kind of food that they're eating, like rats or whatever the case may be. And you get a lot of storytelling that isn't you know narrative storytelling, it's environmental storytelling, which I think is really crucial in, in video games. Um, if you can do it well and i'm sitting here playing gears of war thinking well this game's doing this like six seven years earlier than fucking last of us and it's doing it just as well it doesn't have as much detail but it's still like showing you know someone who's trying to who's got like a uh, a row of like rats on strings that have been barbecued it's like and he's you know trying to make what business he can um you see people living in just like the worst conditions and it's all you know it's not banging you on the head with you someone telling you hey everyone's living in bad conditions it's just all of this detail that's thrown in there um 
and I, you know, wasn't paying attention to this kind of stuff back in 2006, but looking through modern eyes and whatever degree of, of a game designer I am at this point, which I'm not yet, it's it's all really like just easy, simple, not easy, simple, but it's all really well done and well constructed um, and a lot more detail than I I would have thought that a game from 2006 would have. Now, obviously, this is like the kind of ultimate remastered edition. So, you know, there's probably a few touches and spruces and CGI jab of the huts thrown <laughs> in uh, for good measure. Um, but it's across the game. It, it does little things like that. And it really took me by surprise. Um, the game still feels good to play. Like the combat's still solid. The one thing that I wasn't expecting... Um, is that for a game that is 15 years old, maybe a little bit more, it still has some really weird bugs that they've never gone in to fix. Like some of the AI paths that like your... Um, because throughout the game, for anyone who's never played it, you have like a companion with you because like back in the day, you know, with Gears of War, you would play the campaign with someone else. You would do like either local co-op or co-op over the internet. And that's how I played through the, the three games. But you have a companion with you if you're not playing with anyone else anyway. And he's AI tracking. Like, he'll end up like it's... He'll get stuck in a loop and go around in a circle. And you either have to call him to come with you. Or you just have to get so far into, like, the next scene that he'll then just skip forward, like, to... And, like, his path gets reset into the next scene. And there's loads of moments like that. There's moments with the enemies where their AI paths get all screwed up and they just start fucking running around in a circle. Do you get that rubber banding um, loads effect loads of where like, someone runs away then comes back, then runs away, then comes back, then runs away? Yeah, it's yeah. it's like that. It, like I put a clip up on tw- uh, Twitter yesterday. Um, there's loads and loads of moments like that, which I can't imagine would take that long to go in and fix. And I don't know whether it's just like the limitations of uh, the Unreal Engine they were using at the time. Like Maybe they'd have to come up to unreal four maybe they just couldn't be asked um like it's an old it could be it could just be that as well um but it's because it's such a i don't want to call gears of war like a cinematic experience but it is kind of like a big action blockbuster type game um that you know incorporates elements of like uh cinematography or that kind of big cinematic experience and when you have those little moments that happen, it does kind of break you out of the immersion of what you're experiencing when, you know, a character gets stuck in that loop. So it's just interesting seeing those little kind of bugs. And there's a few of them like that. But overall, I mean, it's not, you know, we did a, um, I think Dave and Brian did a Gears of War book club back in the day. And I still maintain, I think those games are really, really good. Um, they never needed to make Judgment. They never needed, needed to make four or five. and They never need to make another one again. Like, they should have ended with that will, trilogy. Yeah. Um, four but, four yeah. truly showed that there was no ideas left to ring out that thing. No, no, there really, really wasn't. But it, it, you know, it, and then five was just like, what about four? But ice <laughs> and Dave Batista. Yeah, they, yeah. Um, I mean, that's pretty good. They, the thing is, yeah. they didn't invent cover shooters, but they perfected that formula so much that that yeah, them, that so many people started switching up like grand theft auto's combat became heavily heavily influenced by gears of war so it is one of the most influential games ever i think when it comes to like gunfire combat and third person uh, gunplay yeah and it feels really satisfying mm. like and the fucking i 
at the active reload like i wish more games would use that it's such a i mean in some ways yes but also there i i've had other games with it that don't do it nearly as well and i'm just like oh fuck you you. need to do it as well (laughs) then if you if you're gonna do it do it right otherwise don't do it well um fifa has active reload now essentially it has for the last two years essentially yeah where you hit the button once to shoot and then your accuracy is dictated by how close to now you can toggle it on and off Uh, a little meter starts and if you get it in the green then it is it is more on target so you might actually be better at the last two fifas <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's one of those kind of like you know when you get like into the flow into the zen of a game and yeah. like you blast a couple of rounds of a shotgun and then the bar comes across and you get it right in the time to reload it straight away and you can get back into blasting the shotgun hmm. there's a really good loop that it's just it you know you it, and you also feel the frustration when you don't get the active reload at the right time. Like, you know, Marcus is like, oh, God damn it. And you takes those few extra seconds to reload the gun. And there's that kind of risk reward element in there. I don't know. I, I always enjoyed that feature at the time. And definitely when I was playing Horde mode back in the day on Gears of War 2. Um, yeah, it's. I, I think that, that that game still holds up. A lot of it does look pretty generic um, in terms of, you know, everything's grey and brown. But that was everything back in 2006, 2007. It, it was. Um, go, go listen to any Yahtzee video at the yeah. time. <laughs> Everything kind of had that weird hue to it, that sort of like... It, it was like game the gray brand yeah the, ga- the games had yeah. been so colorful and you know so wacky that they were trying to just make everything look realistic and it was the same in cinema as yeah. well you had the gritty realistic movement in every action movie yeah, every palette batman for fuck's every sake palette was sepia for, for for a couple of years yeah. and i get like the idea of trying to make things look real but like you know sometimes days can be sunny and surfaces can be reflective and things can look nice not everything has to be gray yeah. or brown uh jack you don't have anything new to report no, this week in terms of video uh, I, i've been playing i've been playing a lot of um mobile games this week which is basically pokemon go and mini metro just working my way through. <laughs> more more on that <laughs> later working my way through those yeah we've got a little thing little news items so i won't dig into anything there but yeah i haven't broken the uh, i haven't broken the seal on anything massive yet i'm kind of sort of mm. you know dabbling around thinking right what's my next big game gonna be like when i finish bravely default i kind of pick it at that as well our good pal Bat Niner is going ham trying to get you into the Yakuza yeah, games. Yeah, I just I I really need something to spark the inspiration because I just found it so difficult to get into when a lot of the stuff in there is just fighting and the fighting is just Yeah. I feel like me and Jack are on one side of the, the line and you and Niner on, on the other on side. The correct I side, wanna yeah. be on the uh, I wanna be on the right side of I the do line. As well. I, I do, know how much fun I, just... I could have. Yeah. I just find the combat too mundane and there's too much fucking dialogue. No, I mean, I'm in for the nah, dialogue. No, nah, nah, yeah, no, yeah, no. Nah, you're that's on me. an island I know that, that bit one. is me. I know I'm on that, an island that's, that that's old school. I don't want no story bullshit Robinson coming No, I'm fine with a bit of story, but when you spend the first half an hour doing nothing but story, I'm playing a Metal Gear game and I'm not here for that. <laughs> I would have said a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Hey, the first <laughs> like, I've seen, I've seen how MGS Four starts. Right? Listen, the first, the first <laughs> hours of Metal Gear Solid Two and Metal Gear Solid Five whip so much ass that I don't think you can make that comment. Well, I have fucking um, made that comment. I'm right? just saying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you sit there and you're wrong. This would be wrong. Um, so I've got a, a little bit of an update on Disco Elysium. So in terms of within, it's excellent. It is. 
again, if it had come out this year, this would be my home run game of the year nominee. And it's going to be like, it's going to take something to top for my game of not 2021 at the end of the year. Um, and I'd like to think it's probably, well, look, in terms of the actual gameplay, it's very much not going to be a Mark thing. In terms of the, the writing and the story, it, it, like I think you'll appreciate the the humor and the quality of writing in it, and I very much think in terms of like its RPG tendencies, um, and again the writing and stuff, it would be a Jack Lazell joint, um, but yeah, I'm in game because you kind of you there there are in game days. I'm on day three, so I've I've unfolded a lot of what's going on. Um, still a lot more to do. I've met more of the characters. I've got a bit better of a feel of which way I'm loading my character out in terms of upgrading different parts of my, um, you know, whether it's like my persuasion or, or things like that. They all have their own individual names in it. But uh, basically that I'm continuing down the path to being a communist revolutionary in terms of how I speak about I'm politics. Shocked, Dave. Yeah. Um, it's great like it's so good and it's so like again the i can't believe the balls of the game to like true like this is one of those you know you see a lot of games go we'll let you build the character you want to but this is one of those where like i said last week literally if you want to become a horrific fascist and racist this game will let you now granted the way the game is written it always does that with a wry kind of um we know this is bullshit because it's like um, there's one dialogue option where you're talking to a guy you need to get past him and he is a racist and one of, another character suggests you should kind of just go along with what he's saying and if he thinks you're cool with the racism thing he'll probably let you go with this you know um but at one point there's a conversation option that says i'm not quoting directly but it's i'm paraphrasing it's something to the effect of you know what maybe i've overlooked this whole racism thing and should give it a try (laughs) (laughs) you know it's that kind of thing where you're not you're like your character becomes racist but you're not necessarily a racist um like I said, the um, there's the stuff with the electrochemical thing where you're sitting there. And if, so, if there was one point where I got into this apartment I hadn't been allowed into before. And you had to go up to the rooftop to talk to the woman. But before, you could walk in and search the apartment before you go upstairs to learn more about her, which helps you unlock other options when you get up to chat to her. Um, and one of the things you can do is look in her medicine cabinet. And uh, one of them, like... <laughs> your uh kim K- kitsuragi who is your uh like your partner on the case uh you're just like oh what's this and he explains it to you and he goes it's basically um prescription strength speed and the the electrochemical part of your brain is, ju- is just going take it take it take it <laughs> and then like your options are you know put it back in the cabinet you could try do a uh you could try roll the dice because again like i said a lot of these things are dictated by dice rolls the chances of success are affected by the way you conduct conversations and build out your character with upgrades and things like that um so there's an option to try and palm it without your partner seeing and i think in my loadout i had an 11 percent chance of succeeding trying to take it without him noticing and then the third option is like just fucking take it <laughs> in plain sight you know um it's really good the world like i said the world and the the writing is really what wins me over it feels so lived in so grimy the art style where it's kind of like a, a 
just a gross oil painting is great. The different, how every different character is just this different kind of weirdo is great. Um, and you really can get yourself completely lost in uh, side quests and in just standing around talking to people just about what they think about different fucking stuff. Um, yeah, it, oh, it's it's really good. It did one of those things. I won't explain the circumstances under which it happened, but it did this thing where it did a f- uh, like a fake out game over on me and it completely got me. I was hook, line and sinker. The way it did it made it think like, oh, this is like the early bad ending. Oh, fuck, because it gave me title screen and everything and it made me restart a new game and it did almost the entire intro to the game again. I'm like, oh, fuck's sake, I've absolutely fucked it (laughs) Uh, before uh, kind of like dissolving me back into where I'd been and I just like passed the fuck out or something. Um, Yeah, it's like, oh, it's such a clever, clever game and it's so well made and they've been supporting that shit on PS5 like you wouldn't believe. I think there's been four patches since it came out to fix little tiny things because I have not noticed anything wrong with the game at all in my playthrough so far. So they're really like fine tuning that fucking thing. Um, And it's, yeah, it is fantastic. I think it's only 30 euro. And I've already got more than that out of it in terms of, like, entertainment value. Um, and it's one that's going to stay with me for, for a long, long time. Um, the other game I'm only going to mention passingly because it, it just came out the night before we, we sat down here. And that is Dark Side Detective, A Fumble in the Dark, the, the sequel to one of my... Uh, most championed games I've ever done on the podcast, The Dark Side Detective, made by Spooky Doorway over in Galway, in this fine nation of ours. Um, and yeah, it is exactly what I wanted from another Dark Side Detective. It is a much more well-budgeted game in terms of, like, they are able to... There are more cases available in the game. The cases are more detailed. There is more... Uh, going on in each level the levels are even the first one is considerably bigger than any of the ones in the first one there are already interesting ways without spoiling it that they subvert the way you're doing the point and click stuff in the first one um and uh it has most importantly for me kept not only the cool kind of theremin inspired sci-fi soundtrack but it has also kept the really pitch perfect sense of humor for what i want from something like dark side detective don't get a lot so. of theremin these days no um not enough well, where anyway are you, where are you playing that i'm playing it on switch and that's something else i was going to mention thank you for reminding me mark is that compared to how that ran at first on the first one ran at first on switch it handles much better so they've definitely ironed out the kinks because when it got ported to the first one got ported to switch it was a little bit cumbersome and there's sometimes where the controls would just kind of seize up and not work or you'd have to quit the game and stuff that could just be the joy consoles together because my yeah, my, yeah. I, I finally have joy con drift uh oh. it's just not usable anymore um mm. so my switch is kind of sitting there not doing much until i get a new pair of joy cons yeah my splatoon joy cons are fucked now one of the is it the right shoulder one is just stuck in good stuff yeah it's so just stuck remind me because I, I i never played um the original dark side detective but you said like point yeah. and click so yeah is so that it, the kind of core yeah it's it's a pixel art style point and click adventure 
um, set in a fictional town of Twin Lakes, get it? Uh, where you're part of the Dark Side police force, and it's you and your, your you and your deputy Dooley solving the crimes in the first one. I think there's six cases, and there was a bonus Christmas episode in the first one. And in this one, uh, I can't remember how many there are, but there's more. Um, and yeah, point and click is how you do it. And it is the classic, like, as well as being a, um, a subversion and a parody in some ways of those games, as well as all the sci-fi and fantasy stuff I've mentioned before and talking about the first game. It's also a love letter to them because it does that kind of thing where you need to get thing A for thing B and sometimes you're combining different items and it does take a little bit of... It's not quite as obtuse as something like Grim Fandango or Day of the Tentacle. Yeah, Yeah. some of those LucasArts games where there is the only logic there is to... The only logic to trying to figure out some of those puzzles is to already know the answer and reverse engineer from there. I I Um, have found I've had to brute force through a lot of the puzzles when when trying to play Day of the Technical specifically. There's one in particular in Grim Fandango with um, water balloons that is like legendarily who the hell would put two and two together there and get four um it's it's ridiculous let alone the fact you can get a trophy on the the playstation version of that game for <laughs> uh twisting one of the water blue or twisting one of the balloons into the shape of robert frost and chasing some pigeons with it um but yeah dark side detective 2 early early impressions i i hasten to say i have only gotten to the end of the first one because it kind of i got like i backed this game on kickstarter it's the first and only game i've backed on kickstarter ever um and i got my code for it the night before it came out so it was kind of the cool oh it's not out yet and i get to play it kind of thing so i blitzed through it a little bit it is out now i don't know how much it is because again i just got the code for it but it's if point and click is your thing those dark side detective games are good and uh yeah support small independent studios and support irish game development as well point and click has never been my go-to but if you say it's got the humor aspect down and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to become more, uh, you know, narrative Robinson, and, yeah. and get my hooks into those types of games. I, yeah. I'll, I'll give it a spin. My, my, yeah, my suggestion to you would probably get the first one. It's probably cheap on Steam and on Switch. Um, with the second one just having come out. Um, and give that a like dip into that and see if it's your jam. I just got to hook up the big boy P Spence get on game yeah damn straight (laughs) damn straight um yeah so that that's all i've been playing anyway uh let's move over into the news and uh you know speaking of small independence uh we had an indie showcase from nintendo this week and not a huge amount of stuff in terms of like new this blew my face off announcements but i think the headliners here uh, one of Mark's ones that he talked about a bit on um, previous episodes, Art of Rally, is coming to Switch. Oh, yeah. I Honestly, I, A, was surprised that it wasn't already on Switch, um, but yeah. B, was very happy to see that it's been announced because uh, it, it just it looks home on the Switch. Yeah. So it's a good, um, good shout yeah, uh, a sequel to Oxen Free. I didn't even know there was a sequel to Oxen Free coming, but Oxen Free Two is coming to Switch. I'm so happy about that. I can't say enough good things about the original Oxen Free. It's one of my favorite little horror games of the last I don't know how many years. That's fantastic. And the one that I think kind of was like, huh, 
for a lot of people, both in terms of, wow, I haven't thought about that game in a while, and two, I assume that game was already on Switch. That was pretty much, because I know where you're going with this, and yeah, I yeah. also thought that Fez was already just on the Switch. Fez, yeah. <laughs> um, the Mar- king himself, Phil Fish. Phil Fish is back um, in pog form. Uh, have you, Jack, have you ever uh, watched, uh, what the hell was it, Indie Store, Indie Game? Indie Game, the movie. Have you ever seen Indie Game, I the have movie? Not. I boy you would oh boy. love it. Um, I, I I'm not going to say. Did it, we did we do a book club on that? We did do yes. The the two movie book club reviews we've done were King of Kong and and um, uh, Indie Game the movie. Yeah, well it's we did not, the Tetris movie as well. Yes, we did. That's true. Uh, I'm not going to say it's like it's it's a notch below King of Kong because everything uh, is a notch yeah, below Billy yeah. Mitchell. But Phil Fish is. He's in that wheelhouse of being just completely fucking insane and, and just a caricature of himself, even within the first five minutes of you being introduced to him. Uh, he's, he's intense. He's very intense. Uh, but it's really good. I'd, I'd really recommend doing it. And I'm not just saying that just because like half of the, the film is about Super Meat Boy. Um, but it's, you, it's you are a little bit, uh, though. Um, yeah, maybe. I would. I would um, uh, also, but... also, just say one of the other games, one of the other big announcements um, in that was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge, which yeah. just looks like a Game Boy Advance game, and I'm all for yeah. that. You know, uh, it looks uh, on the, oh, Yeah, I suppose on the week where they announced a a new Switch Lite that is very reminiscent of like a Game Boy yeah. Advance in terms of its coloring. Um, but hey, uh, Fez. That game was pretty cool back in the day when you detached it from the weird asshole who made it. Um, I remember really enjoying playing that thing on my Vita. Um, did Were you a Fez guy back in the day, Mark? Would you recommend that people pick up Fez now? Do you think it'd hold up? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a, a massive Fez fan because uh, part of the problem with that game is it's one of those games where you really need a notepad. And you, yeah. you know, you spend a fair amount of time not looking at the screen trying to figure shit out. And I can't say that is my go-to type of gaming experience, but I do think it is a, it's a pretty pivotal, you know, if you wanted to make like the four pillars of um, <laughs> indie games in like the, in the the late two, you know, of the last decade, um, I think you could make a case for Fez being one of them. I love that your reference um, is the four pillars rather than like Mount Rushmore. No, well, I, this is because this is me, of course. It's a, yeah, it's a very Mark Robinson <laughs> comparison. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it, like right up there with Alan Forel, not knowing uh, what the Molly Malone statue is, but knowing where the Burger King on Grafton Street was. <laughs> That's, yeah. But I'd have to imagine the amount of people that have done like a full one hundred percent completion of Fez without looking at any guides is probably oh. about four people. And yeah. Phil Fish is one of them, so... Yeah, he might not even be. Probably not, no. <laughs> but also, the fucking House of the Dead remake. Just, yeah. like, dropped like that. I know I know. House of the Dead is not exactly, um, you know, it's not, say, like, Resident Evil or whatever, but yeah. in terms of, uh, like, you know, light gun rail shooters, yeah. it is one of the more kind of pivotal games yeah. Of, yeah. of that it, genre. It, it made me think about, like, were people out there going, yeah, House of the Dead, man, bring it back? <laughs> like, was there a big... I mean, I probably know? play it. I really, I really yeah. fucking like playing that, you know, when I yeah. go to the arcades. I feel like I'm I'm Gersby going, like, where's the Shenmue love coming from, do you know? <laughs> I, uh... But yeah, whatever. Uh, there's also, like, speaking of games that are launching soon, sorry to cut across you, Jack, but uh, something that we... Uh, 
don't get to mention in our individual news stories here is that uh, Picross S6 is coming out next week, baby. <laughs> so, it. so as you were saying, Jack, I just wanted to Yeah, I was going to say that Picross... Si- no, I'm not really going to say that. Um, so of these ones, I'd say the one that I'm probably most interested in and most excited is probably Oli Oli World, because Oli Oli was a yeah, pretty, was pretty cool yeah. game. Um, and Oli Oli World, the trailer kind of looked a little bit like Oli Oli meets Trials. Um, and yeah... I'm I'm excited that that could be pretty pretty awesome because uh, yeah that they, that's had a massive like if you compare it to the way that the original game looked they've they've clearly invested a lot of time in kind of up in how the presentation of that game is and uh, yeah and I'm just a sucker kind of for any skateboarding game and this one's kind of it's it's more that sort of downhill style you know what they originally thought Tony Hawk's was going to be before it turned into what it was and so yeah uh, I'm hyped for the new Oli Oli world and I hope it comes hope it's uh, yeah it's, it, it's going to be on Switch obviously because it was the Nindies or whatever so yeah I hope it I feel like we've got a few skateboarding games like I, I don't know what happened to Skatebird um, that oh yeah, just man. seems to have evaporated. But there's that. There's I want to say Skate World is a game that's that's in development. Uh, there's a few at the moment, and yeah. But Oli 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 is a great game. I, I that speaking of games that uh, was played on the Vita, mm-hmm. um, that and Oli Oli Two spent a lot of time uh, on my Vita. So yeah, yeah I'm here for that. Fun. What was uh, the other game that Roll Seven made? Um, Oh, with that fucking like rabbit in a suit, that pixel art game. Um, Barry would know because it was his avatar for a while. Damn. Oh, no more. No, not no more heroes because that was what I was no, thinking. No, it's first. the other one. It's is it not a hero? Not a, yes, not a hero. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was good. Roll seven. Yeah. Good developers. Uh, we had our first uh, PlayStation Five uh, firmware update uh, that we've had in quite a while. Um. And it's kind of a lot of quality of life stuff that went in. Stuff that kind of, like, paves the way for other things in the future. Um, but, you know, it, it's it, it's good to see this stuff being brought in anyway. Um, the big ticket thing that people are talking about is that you're now allowed to move your stuff onto external USB storage. Um, now, this is the kind of what I'm saying, the pathway to something. You're not able to play the PS5 games from the external USB storage, but it's I I would imagine, Mark, if you're going to build out to have that capability eventually, this is like the first step you need yeah, uh, to mean, be able to I've, support stuff. I've got a big old five terabyte um, hard drive I can see right in front of me. So, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe one day I'll download Warzone again, but for the time being. <laughs> I mean, you'll need at least two more of those if you want to fit Warzone. <laughs> So uh, there's yeah, a lot of, in there. So there's some other other under the hood stuff that hadn't been announced prior to the patch that the Verge has dug up here. So uh we now have the option for the PS5 to automatically switch off HDR features when the console detects non-HDR content. Uh 120 hertz support for 1080p PC monitors is now supported. Finally, there is options to link your console and TV power so your TV switches off when you power or switches on when you power up your PS5 or your PS5 powers into rest mode when you turn off your telly. So that is a pretty nifty little feature there. Do you know what they still haven't got though? I still can't just hold down the PS button and then get the option to turn off. I still have to press like three buttons. 
I don't know why yeah. that fucking thing was implemented that way because I still I still hold down the PS button. Oh yeah, my brain has like still not been configured to yeah. tapping. I'm, I'm doing it much less than I was, but I feel like that's the kind of PlayStation version of you know where you accidentally write the wrong year for almost all of January on stuff. Like that's that's my version yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, the other thing that is announced that there is going to be I I, I don't know if it's a full rollout or just the start of it that now um some of the previous generation games that you can play on ps5 are available through SharePlay now so you used to only be able to play the native ps5 games through the SharePlay feature on playstation but now those ps4 games that you have downloaded to your ps5 system can do the same um so yeah there's still more stuff more quality of life stuff like like mark said i i mostly like the hood on ps5 i like that little bar at the bottom i like your ability to customize it as well but yeah making it a little bit quicker to turn the thing off would be great um and also i would appreciate I would appreciate a, a better ability to toggle this. And this is such a specific thing. Um, being able to toggle the volume mix uh, when you're playing a game and playing the Spotify app. Um, Xbox has it through their headset where you can balance things really well. And yes, even Barry, Barry, Barry's only mentioned that about 10 times on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, Barry was even saying how you can hook up your phone and your Xbox at the same time and listen to stuff at different volumes that yeah. way. Uh, so that shit's I, I cool. I feel like that's, but a, it's just, that's I, a real I was, kind of acceptance yeah. now that everyone yeah. doesn't listen to just one thing at one time. We're all listening to yeah. like three things at once. So there used to be a really easy, and I think it was like, and I, I'm pretty sure it was an actual button on the PS4 headset that would allow you balance... Um, not only game and chat, because this still has game and chat, but I feel like I was able to balance the sound of my app, my Spotify app and my game a lot better in the previous generation. Whereas here, it's all coming in at the the same volume, which is annoying because it's like I had, again, it's such a first world problem. There was one night where my phone was dead. I wanted to listen to a podcast while I played FIFA. And I was like, oh, I'll just boot up the Spotify app and listen to a podcast through my PlayStation headset and it was just so frustrating because I just I had to either go into FIFA and turn down all the sounds manually in FIFA or just listen to them at the same volume and drive myself I mean insane. Dave there's, there's only so <laughs> um, many times you can listen to that Mundial podcast about Ronaldo's PSV run so you know that's yeah. what you think <laughs> responsible for half the plays on that yeah um so now we'll go over to jack's pokemon go corner there have been uh there is a bug uh new bug just dropped another bug type pokemon jack please tell me what this latest controversy in the world of pokemon oh, I mean, go is have they finally dropped missing go i mean you know you gotta be you gotta be going up and down that cinnabar island coastline son otherwise you ain't getting shit how much of my childhood I wasted doing that? Yeah, I know. Hmm. Uh, do you know what I remember? Just a sidebar. There was like a... So I used to collect the Merlin football stickers, as many people my age kind of did. And I, I think there's like, you know, it's the equivalent to the Panini thing now, but for every single season they used to do. Uh, and when it first like came out, Pokemon um, Red and Blue, they had like a combined Pokemon cards and Pokemon Game Boy and football stickers thing, which felt like an event that was entirely created for just me um, at Pickett's Lock, <laughs> which is like maybe four or five miles away from my house. So I was like, oh, hell yeah. 
so there were people there that were playing and there were these guys and they were like you know they were they looked like they knew their shit when it comes to battles so i'm, I'm taking all my pokemon over there i'm like oh, i'll see how i crack on it it's these guys and they were like uh is your is your uh, elite four all messed up you know where you can view your elite four because if you do the missing no cheat and i was like yeah and they were like, oh, you've done the cheat and you can't play this. You know? And they were getting really arsy about letting me play just because I'd done the thing with the rare candies. Like, everyone had, <laughs> really. Everyone at our age that found out about that glitch was doing that shit. Like, it's, you know, uh, I, I I remember, like, the only thing I trained up to level 100 legitimately was my uh, my original Bulbasaur, which, of course, by that point was a tanky-ass Venusaur. And that was the only one they would let me use. So I was like, I don't want to play you fucking elitist pricks. Anyway, Pokemon Go. Uh, <laughs> not that that still offends me all these years later. I mean, that must have been 20, 20 years ago, I would say. And I can still remember that like sniffy look I got from that one dude. But yeah, so Pokemon Go have this thing where they update the app quite regularly. I'd say once every sort of two weeks. And if you don't update it, eventually they kind of force you to update it because of the way that the game is. That When they introduce something you know it might not work on the new version of the app so are we it's the same we have to do the same thing with without yeah in in the meantime and between time people who haven't updated the app when they release something new in the game there are glitches sometimes and this one was pretty damn hilarious because basically two new pokemon came into the game which were scrolp and clauncher and uh Aside from the fact that all week I've been singing Screlp, I need somebody Screlp, not just anybody Screlp. They're pretty kind of lame Pokemon and they don't really, you know, they're not like effective in the PvP game or whatever, but... They're they're so lame I can't immediately visualise what the fuck they actually Yeah, I mean, Claunch is kind of okay. It's like a sort of blue version of Krabby, but with less character and one massive ass claw. Um, And then, yeah, like, Screlp just evolves into Dragalge, which is kind of cool like but then again not as cool as like a kingdra or something like that anyway uh people that hadn't updated the app basically these new pokemon were completely invisible to them so <laughs> so they're trying to catch these like new things that they're advertising like yeah we've got rivals week and we're dropping these in and yeah they couldn't even see them in the game uh so yeah it was a very hasty press release from niantic as they've been having a bit of a shocker lately because um well you know the team rocket uh, stops are within the game mark and the team rocket balloons yeah have you know if you've noticed in the last few weeks if you've played at all they've disappeared from the game because after the latest update there was a glitch where the whole game was just freezing if you try to battle a team rocket leader so basically at the moment anyone that has any team rocket related uh, things in the game they just can't do them because there's just no team rocket presence in the game at all um so that's kind of a thing and they got some pretty terrible press a few weeks ago um kind of similar to like you know call of duty when all of the big people came out against the cheating and stuff like all of the big youtubers all of the big pokemon go youtubers came out because the eggs in the game are essentially airsats loot boxes like they can argue whatever they want like you don't have to do the eggs you know it's just whether you can be bothered or not but when you do they are essentially loot boxes you don't know what you're going to get they kind of dropped a patch into the game where you could see what you could potentially get. But um, they did uh, like a, an event and one of the Pokemon that you could get was Happiny, which is the pre-evolved form of Chansey. And the only way to get it, because it's a baby Pokemon, was from an egg. 
and the Silph Road, who do a lot of kind of data stuff in Pokemon Go because they're very secretive about like all of their percentages and stuff, worked out that it was about a 1% chance. So there were people like spending money on egg incubators and stuff like that. Yeah, and it happened about, I want to say, just about a year ago, they had the same thing with a new Pokemon that they brought into the game, which was... uh, Dino or Dino or Dano, however you want to pronounce it, which is like the dragon that kind of evolves into the the three headed Hydra, which is really fucking cool. Oh yeah, and everybody yeah. basically yeah. wants that <laughs> as uh, you know, and and the shiny version of that and stuff. And it was yeah, it was a similar sort of one percent thing, and they took an absolute shoe in from everybody, and they, they've done it again. So basically, the, a lot of the people in the community came out and did um, like really sort of well balanced and well argued YouTube videos, sort of saying about like. You know, you can't have <laughs> you can't have uh, a system that is telling you that you can hatch Pokemon and then not really give people the percentages of what the chance of that is because it's just it's incredibly dishonest. It's the one thing about the game that still annoys me. Like, I'm not a big egg hatching guy, really. Like, I can't. I mean, there's like uh, occasional Pokemon. The ones that I don't have are usually the baby forms, just because I don't really like to chase after eggs or whatever. But the people in there that do, you get one free egg incubator and you can hold up to 12 eggs. So people obviously buy additional ones to go through all of the pages of their eggs or whatever. And that, that's not cheap. So there are people hatching like 50, 60 of these things and still not getting the chance. Um, the, the I, I wonder like if that would qualify. Cause you know, you've got countries like uh, Belgium yeah. where, where loot boxes are Hot banned. Belgium. Like I'd wonder if that, because for me, that pretty much qualifies as, as a loot box, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, and I and because you, when you're a game like Pokemon Go, you know you're as as big as it gets. You know the visibility is really there on you. You have to be very careful about the types of things you implement. And when you have a practice, like if you have something in there that has a one percent chance. Um, I really feel you need to make that clear, upright, and center. Because at that point, you've like you've communicated and said, "Look, hey, if you want to try and get this, it's one percent. We've made it very clear; it's very hard to get this. And but if you don't make that like upfront and center, and, and make it kind of like address in a way where like, hey, yeah, you got, you you can catch this. That's that's not a good time. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. one thing they've done this, uh, as well. This is my final Pokemon Go segment. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm looking at Dave. <laughs> Is and he's just furious. Um, is they've really shown their ass this week in the sense that there's currently a thing in the game at the moment where it's like, if uh, if 40 million raids are completed, so 40, and it doesn't have to necessarily be uh, like a legendary raid, or it could just be just any raids. But they, they, they you, it's just one of those like global yeah, events. Like, but you unlock a two times catch Stardust, right? But. If you think about it, these 40 million raids, say like everyone gets one free raid pass a day and there's going to be people that do one raid a day. There's going to be people like me that do more than that, that buy into it. And 100 poker coins, right, is $1 in America, 79p, and they're trying to get 40 million people to raid. So you look at that and you say, well, we've only had X amount of days of, of, of this event being so far, but if you look at it on the bare face of it, essentially that what they're doing is raising <laughs> potentially $40 million worth of money, and they're pretty much explicitly... I'm holding it up to the camera now. They're pretty much explicitly telling you that that's, that's the progress bar at the moment, that we're at $34 million 
people that have done these raids. And it's just it's kind of like they're almost showing the complete ultimate capitalism move of going, look how much money, filthy money we're making. Jack, if you don't think that every single thing that they do in that game is for the purpose of making Of course money. it is, but they've just never been so barefaced about how much cash they're making uh, from it. I, I almost appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's, uh, it's pretty cheeky. But yeah, people that are proper grinding the raids, because Landorus is in the raids at the moment, and that's a pretty decent for the meta game in terms of uh, not only like PvP, but um, like PvE raids and stuff like that. So... People are going hard for that shit, and yeah. I, I kind of, like, I've tuned out of Pokemon Go over the last couple of weeks, and I am I kind of feel okay with it. Um, yeah. Like, I, I've been looking at my phone a little bit too much, and I've swapped out Pokemon Go for Duolingo, uh, and I feel like that's a much more productive <laughs> welcome. Yeah, that's much smarter to do. My my hard sell did the job. I'm on to my ninth attempt at learning Japanese, so we'll see how long that lasts. Um, what is Good that stuff. in Japanese? What is the number nine in Japanese? Uh, I don't know. I've only got them to seven, which is Nana. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think it's Q. Okay. I, I've only been learning the Hiranga at the moment. I'm not doing like oh, actual... Oh. oh, it is. You'll, you'll, in, a couple of, uh, in a couple of lessons time, you get to counting. Okay. Yeah. Because um, okay. I, I, I think it's before the first checkpoint anyway that I learned to count up to twelve. I, I saw um, day, I saw um, Mark. Sorry, I saw you post something about Duolingo, and I thought at first you were talking about Duolipa, and I was like, that is the most unusual <laughs> thing for Mark to be listening to. Like, why is he so into Duolipa? I don't mind Duolipa. She's yeah, right. I mean, that's exactly it though, yeah. isn't it? She's just, she's just, yeah, she's had a couple she's of just, songs, couple she's of just pops. aggressively all right, and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like she's a fantastic you know singer don't get me wrong but sometimes all you want like you just want to watch a film or listen to the a ham song. sandwich or keen exactly. or do a leap sometimes i just want to play vin diesel's will man yeah all right i'd say she's above <laughs> keen though if we were doing like a scale of all right i i, I think i prefer i'd rather listen to dua lipa for an hour than keen for an hour but then, that's that's yeah fair. um but yeah, that's what I, <laughs> I just thought. Like, Mark's into Dua Lipa now, and I didn't even question it. I just accepted it. But that makes more sense. This is what happens when you scroll through Twitter at speed where you're not really taking any of it in. I'll uh, I'll take the next story. Uh, CD Projekt <laughs> stick with embattled. Speaking of flagrant dishonesty. Twenty-seven-seven. This fucking thing. Uh, yeah, CD Projekt have vowed to stick with this fucking game, despite concern about the state of the game and the studio's ability to turn it around. Um, yeah. yeah. Upon now, <laughs> again, this th- the way they they made this sound was like, do you know what? We're gonna stay in there. We're gonna fight, and we're gonna make it better. But what's really funny to me is like, one, of course you fucking are because you've dug yourselves into this hole. And number two, also, of course you are because this week as well, in a story that I forgot to include, they announced that the launch window for Cyberpunk 2077 tripled the launch window of The Witcher 3. But does that include like everything that then got returned and refunded? Or is that literally just like, we sold X amount of... Yeah, yeah, is it gross or net? That's what we need to know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, with your business insider terms. (laughs) Business Uh, insider terms, Chris or Ned. (laughs) So what he meant was, is it the bigger number or is it the smaller (laughs) number? (laughs) Dave, if if I had two potatoes and one of them was bigger... (laughs) Go on, sorry. Upon release in December... If the returns left one train station at 60... Two trains are travelling, one from Chicago, one from New York. Yeah, go on. 
Cyberpunk suffered from a raft of crippling technical issues, particularly on consoles, and failed to live up to the expectations set by its pre-release marketing. Uh, I don't want to get into everything about what happened, because we already know that from now. Um, da, 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 this da, is da. brand new information so, to me. What happened? <laughs> yeah, so amid CD Projekt's uphill challenge to save Cyberpunk, some have wondered whether the studio would be better off leaving the game behind and moving on to other things. <sighs> but in a new interview with Reuters, joint uh, chief executive Adam Kaczynski insisted that CD Projekt is sticking with the game. Uh, he says, I don't see an option to shelve Cyberpunk. He said, we are convinced that we can bring the game to such a state that we can be proud of it and therefore successfully sell it for years to come. Probably should have done that at launch, but that's just me. Uh, it's been over 100 days since Cyberpunk was pulled from the PlayStation Store. Uh, perhaps the priority for CD Projekt is to convince Sony to sell the game <laughs> once again. Uh- the recent 1.2 patch was a step towards this. Uh, you have to convince yeah. the world's biggest supplier of games to sell your game again. That is... How much have you fucked up there? Like, I, I understand that you probably don't want to shelve it because you have made a commitment. Like, I mean, how they've been working on this game for, what, eight, nine years? They can't shelve the, it. The next, to the next two years minimum is probably laid out uh, on supporting the game anyway, even before all this, and releasing expansions and making money off expansions, yeah. which now will be money in a fire if they don't but, fix it. And there's, because I know, like, isn't there a fucking, like, uh, Tesla car in the game? And, like, they've probably got a bunch of licensing deals and shit. And there's probably half the reason why the game was released when it was, even though it was like sixty percent complete, if that. So there's probably a bunch of agreements in place, which means they have to stick with this game. Um, and you know, like it really probably is in their best interest to, to do a Herculean effort to try and turn around the the PR uh, on this game and the company as a whole at the moment. The PR's never um, coming round. Well, look, I mean. You saw what they did with No Man's Sky, and that wasn't necessarily all of Hello Games' fault. Like, a large portion yeah. of the blame is laid at the hands of and, Sony there. And it took them, like, at least a year, but they fixed it. They did. And it's, but like, a really well, full experience now. And the problem as well is, like, that is also kind of a big open-ended game, where, as far as yeah. I'm concerned, Cyberpunk isn't. It's finite. So... I don't know, like, unless they do plan to fucking bolt on a GTA Online mode, which, I don't know, I feel like the game probably could have, like, some sort of online mode. But God, imagine them trying to make that. I wouldn't want to fucking play that, considering the state of what the single-player campaign is at the moment. So, Mm. yeah, uh, they're going to stick with it. I mean, they they did lay out, like, a, a plan, like, a roadmap for the year. Um, which seems like it, it was put together in about five minutes from like yeah because it's it, it, the, the, the roadmap is like it's coming out this year. <laughs> the roadmap should it, just it be they weren't really nailing game work. We should be top of it. It wasn't yeah the most detailed one that I'd ever seen. Game work, um, game work, good. Yeah. later things. <laughs> so I imagine it's probably not the last we're going to hear about Cyberpunk this year because the thing I was thinking because we were talking about at um, at the start of like last year's game of the year. If, you know, like, will we even be talking about Cyberpunk come next year? Because it is technically eligible for, for next year's rewards. I think we will. I, I do think that the game is going to, for better or for worse, not escape the kind of gaming sphere over the next yeah. uh, I mean, nine months or so. Like, um, you know, taking people's anger and, and everything aside for a second, 
just as a developing story, it's going to be fucking fascinating. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I am genuinely curious to see how, if at all, that can be turned around because it got such bad PR, but we've seen so many games that get absolutely flamed out PR-wise for not working or having something in it that everyone hates and whether it be No Man's Sky or, remember, Arkham Knight as well on PC and that was one where they did just fucking walk away from it. <laughs> uh, so, like, it, it will be real interesting to see where this thing, like, what what's the narrative by Christmas around uh, but, Cyberpunk? But, by the way, they could not just walk away from this. Like, the lawsuits they would be subjected to for a start. It's like, you promised me a game, you delivered a broken mess, and then you just walked away like... (laughs) Like nothing had happened. And then used the old Homer Simpson. It was like that when I got here. Because also, I mean, I don't know what happens in terms of, um, like, returning or even more refunds. But, like, not to say that would tank the company, but that can't, you know... The bottom line couldn't be good if they were to walk away at this point. They're, they're too far I, in. I kind of feel like they would have made their money. The fact that Sony took it off the store says to me that it was probably going to be a case of it costing Sony a bunch of money. Yeah. They were afraid that they would be liable mm. for selling exactly. this. So yeah. I, I don't know how those deals work out. Whether like Sony give them a, uh, an initial amount of cash to have the game on the store... And then from there on out, they they take a certain cut of the of the percentage of whatever it sells. Uh, maybe Sony was just like, "Look, it's not worth it at all for us. We've already overspent." I feel like there was a story not that long ago that detailed what the cut each store gets is because that was part mm. of the the Epic game thing. Uh, when that came out, they tried to undercut Steam by taking substantially less of a cut than Steam does on on. Uh, transactions. But yeah, and then there was that and the, the, the ongoing punch-up they're having with Apple as well. So, Apple have so yeah. many punch-ups, it's it's kind of hard to remember all of them. Yeah, but I, I, the other thing as well, and I think this is actually the most crucial thing that we're not talking about at the moment because it's probably something that will come out in, in the ensuing months uh, via Jason Schreier most likely, is like what the dev team are going through because, uh, you know, like one of the big controversies with the game and, and with these bigger games is obviously crunch. And if anyone, if anyone was stupid enough to think that, right, the game is on gold, the devs are going to have a couple of weeks of holiday and it's going to be nice and plain sailing and they're going to get their, get their bonuses and always going to be good in the world. No, I would imagine they are working as hard, if not harder, to try and get this fucking thing in some sort of playable state. Probably. And that sucks. That sucks really yep. bad. Our our final news story, we might as well stay with Mark for this oh, one because it's about his it's about his game of the year twenty twenty one, Outriders. This fucking uh, people are losing up to one hundred hours of progress. Imagine in this game. fucking playing this thing for a hundred hours. But, it feels like the kind of sick thing that Brian. By the would way, do. yeah, like. I'm looking at this Outriders story. Are we j- after? It's so apropos. We just talked about Cyberpunk 2077. I want to get the lapels of the guy responsible for Outriders and just go. Did you not learn anything from what happened with Cyberpunk that you would now release a similarly broken piece of shit and ruin your completely ruin your company based on the back of it? Well, I mean, the the thing with Outriders, I don't think the game as a whole is broken. I just the servers are just not 
working. I've seen like some stuff from Sterling, like J Jim Sterling seems to have encountered a whole bunch of other types of bugs and whatever. Um, <clears throat> my experience actually in-game playing it is not so much that it's broken as in just it's a bang average game. <laughs> like it's that that's my kind of bigger issue i have with it and the fact that the the writing is the worst fucking thing i've experienced in a long sounds time sounds like my um sounds like my time that i spent with cyberpunk before i just jacked that in altogether yeah yeah uh but fortunately i didn't have to spend 60 70 quid to begin with you did you get a refund for it i do you know what i i didn't get a refund for it i just left it because i was like in my head i was like if this game you know is fixed then i'm still gonna like have to go back and play it probably because I, if they get it right it, it's got the potential to be a, a really good game now i kind of regret that <laughs> what are we like five months down the road and it's still a piece of shit it's still a broken bu buggy and i feel like i've seen some not like deep discounts but i've seen the game get you know discounted in in i bet you could get it on ebay for like 20 quid or something at the moment if you probably yeah. someone's trying to get that fucking ps4 copy somewhere or something that's probably gonna be worth a couple of yeah. in a few years time um yeah so some outriders players are reporting the continuation of a worrying inventory white bug that in some cases has scrubbed nearly 100 hours of investment in the game uh outriders first big patch went live on uh i think it was the 11th of april uh, on the PC and PS4, and um, also on PS5 as well, and some players soon reported their inventories had been wiped. <laughs> Affected players sounded distraught, reporting that the bug has cost them loot gathered after tens of hours, if not more, of grinding. Uh, like thousands of others today, first logging after patch, I was greeted by this on my level 50 gear 94-hour devastator, said Redditor OK Entertainment, Entertainment 112. Today I was going to be leveling my last piece of gear to 50. Me and two friends were celebrating, celebrating our build completions. Uh, everything has gone. 94 hours of lost. Almost complete build lost. This is a joke. Naked at login. Server can't connect. Yada yada. Like everyone. Else. I'm pretty sure if you've leveled up something to 50 on <laughs> Outriders, then you would be celebrating because you are in fact celebrate. Uh. Yeah. Uh, this <laughs> inventory white bug has affected uh, Outriders since launch, and it seems that people can fly the developers behind the game, and Square Enix are have, having trouble squashing it. Uh, on Thursday, People Can Fly said that it was working on restorations for players who were affected by these wipes. And in patch notes, the developer said that the update fixed the multiplayer crash that can result in client players having their inventory wiped. But clearly it hasn't done the trick. Uh, People Can Fly have issued an apology and they said they are looking into it. I can't imagine it's the easiest thing in the world to just get fixed. So, you know, like, I know that players are frustrated, but, you know... Um, I haven't looked into it. I'm sure there are, you know, I'm sure the, the community team for that game are taking an absolute bashing that they don't deserve. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that this is not just a, a five minute fix. Um, yeah, but I still so have no sympathy for, oh, God, for no. the game. No, 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 like, no. Of course. I, it, the one thing that you want to hold fast is whatever people have achieved in your game up to that point, because... That is, turn, you know, to use a wrestling phrase, it's turn the channel heat, isn't it? If you've grafted yeah. for something and you don't have it anymore, you're like, well, there's no point in playing this anymore. And then you just walk away and play something else instead. And, and it speaks to just the, you know, the server issues the game is having um, and why the decision to have the game be this 
always online game is just baffling to me. <sighs> when will people learn um, about that shit man uh i don't know but they, they say the plan is they're still working on restoration for all affected accounts um but it's this restoration plan that has added further stress to players who have invested so much into their character builds uh players particularly those that have reached the end game are spending a lot of time and effort trying to obtain items with what they call god rolls that will push their character build to optimal heights um, the god roll grind is one of the chief pursuits of endgame players. Uh, People Can Fly has said that its restoration plan means restored items may not have the exact same stats as the lost items. Um, this statement has terrified players who have put time and effort into the god roll grind. And god roll grind was a good book by Richard Dawkins that I admired. <laughs> This kind of reminds me of a game that I used to work on where a lot of like the end game stuff, you know, I'd seen players that had spent hundreds of hours uh, and and more money than I care to uh, admit on the airwaves. Um, And, you know, like when you have server issues or, you know, players accounts get affected in ways like that doing just like some sort of data pool and getting those accounts back to those players automatically it's not an easy thing and in a lot of occasions you know you actually need to manually get in there find the 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 data see what that player had and send it back to them manually and that ain't you know that's not a five minute thing so uh this i don't think this is the last of this issue we're going to hear about um and well considering again the last time i tried to play the game i couldn't because the servers are on fire uh yeah we i think we should do like some sort of roll count by the end of the year what more what stories have we seen more about outriders or uh cyberpunk i think cyberpunk has a stay in power that outriders yeah. just doesn't have because uh, i think more people are yeah. vitriolically passionate about that it has the notoriety yeah. outriders feel one that people are just gonna be like fuck it like a uh, crackdown or something like yeah. that where remember that chick came out and people were like yeah, uh. people like Outriders. Is that like yeah. an NXT stable or something? Like no one's gonna know what it is by the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, the thing about Cyberpunk is it had that lead-in of like you said, the guts of a decade where expectations were at fever pitch. Uh, whereas Outriders was something that's like, oh yeah, okay. Like I said, I downloaded that when I even know what the fucking game yeah. was. Same. Outriders um, doesn't have Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Yeah. What is an it Outriders? Doesn't. That is the question. <laughs> and on that philosophical note. We'll leave you for another episode of, of Link to the Cast. Um, it's been a pleasure. Uh, follow us at Link to the Cast on Twitter if you want to keep up with the new shows as they're posted. If you want to uh, tell us what we should be talking about, you want to interact with stuff we have talked about on the show, all that good stuff, it's at Link to the Cast on Twitter. Individually, I'm at the Day to Dave. Mark is at Lithium Project. And Jack is at Jack Lazell. Until next week, my friends, we shall see you then. Stay safe. A quick WrestleMania recap. Eh, it was all right.